it's a lot of work trying to be perfect. Anybody tried? It's a 100% failure rate. But oftentimes we all get stuck into that trap in which we try, we get stuck in that, I'm trying to perfect whatever it is. I'm trying to live that perfect life, not make mistakes. And, and, and if that's the goal, you're going to fail 100% of the time. But hopefully through this series, what you're going to find and you're going to, about yourself is that, that even though you're not perfect and you're never going to be perfect, you can still progress in certain areas. You can grow in certain areas. You can, you can get a handle on certain things of your life. And today I want to talk, you, talk with you about the continued sin that continues to discourage, demoralize, and even threatens our efforts to persevere. I had, a, I had some guys praying with me in my office this morning uh, for this service, and, and they were laughing. They're like, how come you always get these sin-deep messages that are just not, a, you know, the, the warm, fuzzy messages? That, and, and the reality is, is Shane just knows I'm the biggest sinner on the team, and so he's saying, we're going to let you uh, tackle that. But that's real, because... because there are times in my life that, I've, I've, uh, that I can track and see there's, there's when I've been given over to sin and sin has got a grip and I've been in bondage and yet I'm trying and I'm trying or I think that I'm trying and I'm not progressing. I'm being sucked down. Paul says that continue to work out your salvation. How many of you know that sometimes easier said than done? Because as we are being sanctified, and a little churchy word, as we're becoming more like Christ as disciples, there's a battle going on within us from wanting to be more like Christ and really liking the world's stuff that we are messed up in, that we're consumed with. And so today I want to talk with you about sin. Now, today's message, you know, honestly, is hopefully to be an encouragement because there's a lot of us that as we're wrestling with and we're in this bondage of habitual sin, that literally there's been times in which I know that people have talked with me that they feel like giving up, walking away from their faith because they just can't win the battle. They just can't get a grip on it. They just can't, they're exhausted and they're tired of trying. They're continually disappointed within themselves. But today's message is very practical, and I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to be straight up. You're probably not going to learn anything new today. But just because you don't learn anything new doesn't mean that you're putting into practice the things that you already know that now I'm going to remind you of. And I want to use an acronym as we talk about how to break free from habitual sin. And this acronym I actually got from Rick Warren years ago. And acronyms are, are, are helpful, I think, at times in which they can really help us identify like a, a practical steps, if you will, to break through and, and say, okay, I'm going to break free of this, step one, step two, step three. So maybe you'll remember these steps. Break free. How do we break free from habitual sin in our life? The first one is that you begin today. If you're taking notes, want to write that down. Super deep, I know. Theologically sound, though, I guarantee you. Begin today. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not next month. See, oftentimes we, we make these justifications. We make these deals within ourselves, right? We, we, we talk ourselves that, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop this 
when this is right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, there's a season in my life in which I'm going to, I'm gonna make a change. In Proverbs, it says that you never boast about tomorrow because you don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. And so that's why we must begin today. Quit telling yourself one day. Stop procrastinating, postponing. Because it's gonna be harder to change tomorrow than it is today. Can I just tell you that? Because tomorrow you're gonna to be one step deeper into that quicksand, into that, 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 that thing that's got a grip and a hold on your life. Tomorrow it's gonna to be that much harder to break free as you sink deeper. Ecclesiastes 11 says, if you wait for the perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. I mean, we, we hear this all over, the, all the time, and we, we believe this, you know, as young, as young married couples, it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait till I'm financially secure and ready to have children. Are you ever ready to have children? No, when God blesses you with children, you figure out how to make it work. There is no perfect conditions that you're waiting to begin taking the effort and making the steps to commit to make the change. And so what's your excuse? What rationale are you, are you justifying in your mind right now why you can't start today tackling that habitual sin, that bondage that you're in? Because the person who really wants change is gonna find a way, and the person who only wants to talk about change is gonna find an excuse. And you're gonna fit into one of those two areas. Here's the R. You ref refuse to blame others. We're notorious at being scapegoats. It's not my fault. I mean, my kids, my kids are, this is one of my biggest pet peeves because my kids' personal responsibility is, is, is just so important to me and my values in raising them that they res, they're responsible for their actions. And yet what do kids automatically do? It's just like, not me. I mean, this has been going on since the beginning of human history. You guys know in, in Genesis, right? We have the first man, Adam, the first woman, Eve, and Adam commits a sin, and when he's confronted in the garden, what's the first thing that he does? It's not my fault. It's the woman's fault. And he blames her. And so we get into this cycle in which we don't like to take personal responsibility because it's someone else's fault. Someone else. That tempted me. See, I'm never gonna get better until I accept personal responsibility. I've gotta admit that it's not someone else's problem, it's my problem. It's my problem. And I've gotta deal with it. Proverbs 19.3 says, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness. Amen? Have you seen it? Have you experienced it? And then they get angry at the Lord. Well, God, why didn't you protect me from that? God, why didn't you show up in this situation? I wouldn't have done it if you would have, if you would have been there. No, he was there. He was right there. And so who are you blaming for 
issues that you got in your life right now? Is it God? Is it your husband? Is it your wife? Is it your politicians? Is it your boss? Can I just say, any one of those can be contributors, but you know whose problem it is? It's my problem. And if I want to get freedom, and I want to get healing, and I want to move forward, i got to admit to myself that it's not someone else's problem, it's my problem. When you blame, this is, this is something for your parents that you can tell your kids, I say, when you, when you blame somebody else, you're being lame. Be lame. Okay, maybe you guys are still asleep. Thank you. I, I got one person that's awake here. That's great. So, stop being lame and blaming other people. Here's the next one. The next one is that you examine. Examine my life. Now, now, this is, this, is a, this is, I started by telling, let me just tell you my personal inventory. When I started this message, I, I started going, okay, let me, let me talk. I don't want to talk from a place of authority that I got this all figured out, okay? I wanted to come with you that, dude, I, I am just like you. I could very easily be sitting right there and someone else could be up here preaching this morning because I've wrestled with habitual sin as an unperfect person. And so I, I spent some time doing a, a personal inventory, looking at my adult life, because I didn't even want to go back to remember my teenage years. And I began looking at the fact that I've struggled with anger. I've struggled with lust. I've struggled with pride. I've struggled with jealousy. Here's a surprising one. I've, I've struggled with gluttony. I know you guys don't see it, but it's there. It's been there. Struggle with lying. And then I continue to go through it, said, and then I struggled again with anger. I struggled again in lust, with lust. And I, I struggle continually with pride and, and my ego. And it continues to go on. And so it's, it's important that you examine your life and take personal inventory of those things that, that you don't even recognize maybe necessarily, but, but, but they're, they're, they're like, it's like quicksand that it's slowly you're sinking into it and it's got its grips on you. And when you begin this, you know what happens is, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna give a shout out right now. Wednesday night, 6.30 is a great place to start as you start taking personal inventory. Celebrate recovery. I got some celebrate recovery people here. All right. 6.30 right here. We got the landing for, for teenagers that's happening. But this is a place, you know, I, several years ago, I had a friend that, that, that needed to come and asked if, if, if I would take, take him. And so I came and I sat and there was a testimony night. And I thought, oh my gosh, that lady's talking right to me. And then the next week he wanted to come back. And so he hadn't really connected with anybody. So I brought him back. And then Pastor Mike started talking to me. And, and then it's like, oh my gosh. I got the same hurts, habits, and hangups as everybody else. And so do you. And so as you begin working that process, so for some of us, we need a program like Celebrate Recovery that can help with accountability, 
that can help us identify and examine these areas that continue to be this repetitive thing that we're stuck in, that we just can't seem to have freedom over. And so as I take a personal inventory, I begin to ask myself questions like, okay, where, what are my weaknesses? Where, what's the traps that I keep falling into? And as I begin to examine my life, I encourage you to do the same and look at those areas of weaknesses and traps. Is it a gym? That was one of mine, shared a few weeks ago. Is it social media? For some of you, you don't recognize that it's a huge, huge trap that you've fallen into. Is it the friend group that you have? We're just talking. No, you're gossiping. What is those areas as you examine your life? Psalm 32 says, my dishonesty made me miserable and filled my days with frustration until finally I admitted that my sin, I admitted my sins and stopped trying to hide them and God forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Anybody relate to being miserable and frustrated, living in sin? Too many of us are experiencing this right now. And God says, just admit it that you got a problem. Examine your life. And he says, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to wipe away your sins. But you need to do an evaluation, and it needs to be a continual evaluation. See, healthy people are always wanting to evaluate themselves. They're always wanting to get better. They're always wanting to improve. They're wanting to grow. Where am I slipping? Where am I, where am I cutting corners? Where am I making justifications by my actions? Here's the A in break, and that is ask Christ to take over my life. Now, before you check out of another, you know, basic, no-brainer, fill-in-the-blank, for those of us who are believers and would call ourselves Christ followers, you say, of course I've done that. Have you? Because you can believe in God and you can invite God to, 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 to come into your life, to be your Lord and Savior, and then you can put him in a box, And do your own thing until you need to take them out when you really need them. When you crash and you burn. When your life is going to hell all around you. And then all of a sudden you're desperate. Are you letting Christ take control of your entire life? Does he see you on social media? Does he see you on the internet? Is he a part of that? Is he a part of your friends group and the things that you talk about? Is he at your workplace when you're around with your friends? Is he in your bedroom? Is he in the conversations that you have around the kitchen table? Does he have control over your life that he is the sinner? See, if you're wanting help, you need a power that's greater than yourself. And so you got to realize that you can't do it on your own. It's only through the grace and through the power of Jesus Christ living within you that you can break free and live in freedom. 
Romans 6.12 says, do not let sin control the way that you live. Do not give into sinful desires. Instead, give yourself completely to God. It's saying that the solution is to choose the right master because the reality is, friends, I'm just gonna tell you, something or someone is controlling every one of us. There's people that control us. We're controlled by money. We're controlled by our schedules. We're controlled by narcotics. We're controlled by food. As I, as I took my inventory, that, this, is, this one continues to come up, so you're gonna hear about it a lot in that. Because I, I, you know, when I'm depressed, I eat. When I'm happy and celebrate, I like to eat. When I'm just having a normal day, I like to eat. And, 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 it's, and I realize that it just has a control over my life. That, that's... That, that is controlling me. It's like, when is it lunchtime? When is, I mean, we sit in meetings sometimes and, and Steve has made mention, he's like, okay, it's been two hours, Ronnie needs to eat. I'm on a schedule. And you know, you get a room full of pastors, they think they all have something very important to say and they just keep going and going. And so, but it, it, you're gonna have, something's gonna have control. Is it Is it Jesus? Have you given him complete control? Often we only want to give God our problems. God doesn't want just your problems. He wants your problems, but he wants your life. Your entire life. God says, if you want me to work out the problems, give me every other area of your life too. Here's the K and break. Is that you keep away from the temptation. Keep away from the temptation. You know what tempts you. You know, you know the things that, that lead you into sin. And can I just say, you know, you know who else knows? The enemy. The enemy knows those things too. And so that just makes plain sense that then you would just begin to look at those areas and recognize them before they happen, right? And that you can walk away. See, if you don't want to get stung by bees, what do you need to stay away from? There you go. It's common sense. And yet for our own personal areas of struggle, those often are the areas in which that we gravitate towards. Avoid the situations where you're tempted. Romans 13, 14 in your outline. This is the Phillips New Testament translation. I love the way that it says this. Don't give any chances to the flesh to have its fling. I love that word, fling. Because whatever that thing is, is we know it's temporary. It's alluring. But it's very destructive. And it's very painful. And so you don't put yourself in tempting situations. If I have a problem with drinking, I don't stock the bar at the house with alcohol. 
If I have a problem with lust, I recognize those areas in which that I'm tempted, whether it's being looking on the internet or, or, or social media or, or the, the gym, and I begin to put safeguards around those things so that I don't find myself in a situation that I can be compromised. What I say that I want. I thought one of the greatest inventions, let's go back to the diet thing, the greatest inventions would be for someone to create a scale in the door handle of the refrigerator. You know how they do, you know, you're on the treadmill and you can do, and you know, check, take your blood, and you know, get your blood pressure and see. Make that where it's gonna make an announcement. As you grab it to open it, it's gonna say, you weigh. <laughs> how many of us would be like, yep, I'm gonna walk away from that. You put those safeguards up. Because if those are the things that, tempt, that are gonna tempt me, what are the things that we can do to protect ourselves? I told my teenagers, you don't wanna get involved sexually, have a plan when you date somebody. Don't wait until you're in the back seat of the car to make the decision that I'm gonna stay pure. It doesn't work. It's too late. Have a plan in advance. Now that's the negative part. Stay away from situations that cause you to downfall. Let me give you the positive one as we, as we talk about the acronym FREE. And that's that you focus on something better. You change that focus from the temptation that you put your, your mind and your energy and you begin to focus on something better. Proverbs 4.23 says, Be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your what? By your thoughts. Is that scary for anybody but me? Man, I can have a million thoughts. And they're not all pure and they're not all good. I can have a time in which I'm having one of the best quiet times in which Jesus is just, you know, speaking mightily. The pages of the, my Bible's coming alive and I'm energetic and I'm excited. And then 10 minutes later, something can roll through my head and it's like, whoa, where'd that come from? It's just a temptation to say, hey, are you going to grab it and lock it in? Or are you going to let it go and begin to refocus on something more positive in your life? The Bible says that spiritual battle of sin is fought in your mind. And so if you want to have a change in your life, that's where it's got to start. Whatever captures my attention captures me. So what are those things that capture your attention? They spend time thinking about, pondering. And so the key to resisting temptation is to refocus your, your attention and to change the channel. Again, let me give back. Can you guys tell that I'm on a diet right now? <laughs> let me give you another illustration. This is the funny thing about, about, about trying to lose weight it is I'm programming my mind and so I'm constantly thinking about food, the thing that I'm supposed to not let control my life and yet I'm thinking about what I eat, the portion sizes, when, because it all plays into something and I begin to go through the day and it's like, oh my gosh, all you do is think about food. The thing that you're supposed to be, so instead it's like, okay, as I'm studying this and I'm like, okay, 
I gotta focus on something else. Let's focus on the benefit of my health or let's focus on you know, how many calories I'm burning or let me take my blood pressure, which you know, has, has been fluctuated over. You know, let's focus on, on other things other than just the food. What are those things that, that you need to, to refocus on because you don't even realize that those are the things that, that are in your mind that are beginning you to go down places that lead to destructive behavior and patterns in your life. And so what do you focus on? Philippians 4.8, Paul says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. If I had that in my Bible, in my Bible it circled, true. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, circle, highlight, underline, think about such things. There's so much negative, and there's so much perversion, and there's so much junk in the world that can capture our attention and can fill our mind. But there's also a lot of great praiseworthy things to think about. There's a lot of positive things. There's a lot of, of admirable things. There's a lot of uh, amazing things. If you choose, choose to refocus, just what are you filling your mind up with? Here's the R. You restore broken relationships. Why is this important? Because can I tell you, if anything is out of control in your life, it's affecting and hurting other people. And if you're believing a lie, if you believe that my sin and my junk is only affecting me, it's not. It's affecting your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your parents, your children, your work, Those people that you let in that are, that are your people inside your circle, it's affecting them. Well, no, it's not. I keep those separate. Liar, put that on your list of your inventory. I've done it. I've been the offender, and I've sat with dozens and dozens and dozens of you who come to me when life is out of control and broken and I see the collateral damage that it does. And we all believe the lie that it's, it's, it wasn't affecting anyone else, just me. And so if you want freedom, you need to go and restore those relationships. It's humbling to go to somebody when you know that you've got a problem and that sin's affected, and you get down and you look them eye to eye and say, man, I know that this has hurt you. I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? I want a clean slate. I, I want no, no secrets. I want to be authentic. When we believe our sin isn't hurting anyone, we're lying to ourselves because you can never have true trust and authenticity in your relationships if you're not being real and making those things right. Romans 12, 18 says, do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. And so let me just encourage you that maybe today, the, this is the very first step, is that you need to take the initiative to say that I'm sorry. I had no idea 
that my choices was going to affect you and hurt you and impact you the way that it has. Here's the E. Enlist a support group. The first E is that you enlist a support group. This is the next biblical principle in breaking free is to enlist other people. You were not meant, we've said this a gazillion times, you were not meant to do life alone. You weren't. We all need reinforcements. We all need support. We all need each other. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two are better than one because together if one of them falls down, the other can help them up. But if someone is alone and falls, there's no one. Don't be isolated. Allow people into your life that can encourage you, that can help you, that can motivate you, that can give you a big fat kick in the butt and call you out when necessary. Get connected to people. It makes sense because our, one of our purposes is to do life together. And I need people that care about me. Let me ask you, do you have people like that in your life? And then the second part of that question is, would anyone else say that you're that somebody in their life? That's there through thick and thin to stand with them, to encourage them. You guys know from the many times that I've shared that one of the things that, that, that's in my daily routine is that I get up at 3, 30, 3.45 every morning. And I was only able to develop that habit and that discipline by having guys that are going to call me out when I don't show up at the gym. And then I've been... I'll be honest with you that I can even tune them out sometimes. You know, I can take the razin. You can call me whatever you want and call me a fat slob and all that, you know, lazy bum. Now I have another North Point friend, uh, Barker, who uh, has Parkinson's and can't drive. And so he texts me every day. You picking me up at four, pick me up at 420. I can't let him down. Do you have those people that you can call no matter what time of day it is? We just lost an incredible man, part of our North Point family, Jeff Range, this past week. And as hard as that has been, as we've all grappled with that, it has been amazing at his small group support. I mean, we're talking people at the hospital in the parking lot, standing vigil and praying with the family. A small group that would go to the house and make sure that everything's covered and, 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 and everything's okay. Sometimes it's not doing anything except for just being there and showing up for Veronica and the kids. This small group has been incredible. If you're not in a small group, you are missing out. And that's why we're continuing to, 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 to preach and preach and preach that you need to be plugged into a small group. Pastor Kevin's gonna come back next week talking about relationships. I guarantee you, he's gonna hit it again. Because we believe that strongly that you need to have 
men and women who are there for you. And you need to be there for them. There's a, there's a bunch of events coming up, so you say, oh, I don't know how to get plugged in. Maybe if you're a mom, you just show up to this uh, event that's coming up, this mom's event. You, it's inside your message notes, it's online, you can click it, and you can see it's happening, coming up. Moms know what moms go through. The good, the bad, the ugly, you know. And so maybe just there, you show up at this event to be encouraged, to hear some message from some great speakers, but maybe you sit next to somebody who can just relate to some struggle that you're going through as a mom. That can be the start of something. We just had a, yesterday a golf tournament here. Anybody participate in the golf tournament? Hey, a few people. It's a great fellowship event that you just kind of hang out, right? You can laugh, you can joke. Here, here's the winning team. Now here, here's the funny thing about this is I was actually asked to play on this team. Um, not because they needed me, because I'm really, really bad at golf. Um, but they needed a fourth. There's only three of them. And I asked another guy if he wanted to, to play and, and, and he couldn't play. And, and so I just thought, well, I, I can't. I could have been the champion. I guarantee you I would have walked out of here with this trophy. And put it right here so you all could see. But it's a great event that you can joke and you can do life and you can get connected with other people. And so when, when, when events come up and you see them on the website or you hear us announce them, it's easy just to go, uh, and, and then check, check them out, show up. You never know how that can change your life. When you get around people and you begin to find common ground with other people. You must at least have one other person. I'm just gonna tell you this straight up. You gotta have at least one other person other than your spouse that you can be totally real with of the same sex, by the way. Men to men, women to women. That you can just be real with. That's gonna love you even when they find out how jacked up you really are. Do you have that in your life? You can, but you've got to want it. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is coming up on the screen, James. Man, James 5 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. Friends, can I just say this? You know, we think in our own sin and our own junk and our own screwed up lives that, well, God forgives me, and that's 100% biblically accurate. You're right, God forgives you. And if you confess your sin, it says he's faithful and he's just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. But that doesn't take away the responsibility that then we go this way, and guess what? It says that we need to confess to each other. Not for forgiveness, for healing. We can be authentically real with someone else. That's an important step to finding freedom from habitual sin and behavioral patterns that have been destructive in your life. Again, 
Pastor Kevin's gonna talk a lot about this next week as we talk about relationships, but you can see on our website, there's a, there's a slides coming up that you can see from northpoint.org slash now. We say it all the time. Check out the now page, there's things coming up. There's events on our events page that you can see that, that, that you can get involved with. There's a men's sexual integrity group that's meeting and, and there's, there's Bible studies and groups that you can get plugged into. Don't do this alone. Find people to walk with you. Here's the last E. I extend myself to others. As we go through life, we work through our problems, when we work through our habitual sin and our bad behavior patterns and our addictions, God wants to take your greatest weakness. God wants to take the thing, the area in your life that you're most ashamed of, the thing that you don't want anyone else to know, and he wants to make it your ministry. Some of you are thinking there's no way in the world. You give your life over to Christ completely, and you see the healing transformation that can happen out of your brokenness, out of your embarrassment out of your shame and your guilt and you begin to allow God to do the work that he wants to do within you can I just be honest with you you can't keep it to yourself because it gives you a sort of freedom that you've never experienced and you want and you will be attracted to the people that you see that are in the same bondage that you were in and you can't help but go and use it as a ministry People that have walked through divorce and the ugly and messiness of that, that now want to help others through divorce care. Someone who's lost a loved one and they're working through their grief and it's a struggle and yet we have a ministry called Grief Share of other men and women that have walked through that same thing. I said it a minute ago, we have a men's sexual integrity group people that have been in bondage of sin and the sexual nature and they've been it's been decades but they found freedom and they're walking in the light and they're saying come be a part of our group we'll help you we'll hold you accountable and of course celebrate recovery that happens right here on wednesday night is another great place to start Galatians 6, 1 says, so if someone is trapped in sin, you who are, you should gently lead that person back to the right path. But watch out. Watch out that you don't be tempted yourself. You obey the law of Christ when you offer each other a helping hand. You want to be like Christ? You want to be loving and have the law of Christ in your life? Just carry each other's burdens. Walk with someone else. My prayer is that that is the church that we become. That, that we're a church in which we're saying, man, I'm just, I'm just, I'm there. Look, that pastor is really screwed up. I feel at home. Because every single one of us is a sinner saved only by grace. That we are a hospital for the hurting because we all have hurts and habits and hangups and struggles in life. And so I can feel right at home. I don't have to clean up my act. I don't have to get my act together. I just got to show up. 
the church that we want to be for each other. Do you want that? Do you want to break free? Take the necessary steps today. God's already planted it in your heart. He's already put it in your mind, that area in which you're like, ooh, yeah, yeah. Question is, what are you going to do with it? Bow with me in prayer. Father God, I thank you for each one that's here, each one that's watching online. God, I thank you that your word does not return void. So God, we just offer this to you and ask that you would do a work within us, that we can break free from these patterns that are just been so destructive, this habitual sin, sometimes that we've been carrying for way, way, way too long. God, give us the courage to take the steps, to find the freedom. Give us the courage to find a group of men or women that we can connect and grow with. God, that we can be your hands and feet. Be about your ministry. We love you and praise you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.